It's Tennessee Titans talk, and Landon and I are with you draft week. We say this every year, Landon, it's so far away until it's right upon us. Three three days and an hour less from now, we're going to be in the first round. It's going to be awesome. It's weird because this draft class isn't as exciting as some of the past ones, and it's weird because for a lot of people, I'm sure, this draft cycle just happened like the Combine went through the pro day wasn't that big of a deal and now it's here's the draft so we're going to do our annual nfl mock draft almost everything you hear on tennessee titans talk is titans related but we do like to do this every year lane and i are going to try to get through all 32 picks big fella he can't be with us he's down in disney world something about family obligations or something in all seriousness we're glad he's down there um and uh, he can't be with us this week so Landon and I are charged with getting through these 32 picks. It's like Christmas week for me. Once it hits that Monday before the Thursday of the draft, it's kind of all I can think about. So I've been spending some time trying to see how this will fall. We see that uh, everything's all over the board. And tell me if you agree with this, Landon. Everything's sort of, I don't know if it's agents or whatever. uh, Most, not everything, but most of this first round it kind of firms up, right? Like the mocks magically on like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, they magically sort of, uh, they, they get some intel and things kind of fall into place. Generally speaking, you'll see, you'll, and that's really when you start hearing leaks about guys with medical issues that were under the radar. And so like last year, Caleb Farley, everyone knew his back was a big deal. But until Tuesday or even Wednesday, we didn't know Aziz Ojolari had a degenerative knee condition, and he dropped out the first round because of that. I do think mocks really start to follow that trend, but there's always a steady trickle of insider info. Like Tyler Smith has been getting a lot of first-round buzz recently, and so I think that's a lot of it is just sources within the teams and agents trying to hype up their guy. We'll give you the name, the position, and the school. We understand not everybody's been following these guys super closely, and uh, we're just going to see what Landon thinks is going to happen on Thursday, and then he'll give us what he would do. But we'll start with, as a mock draft should be, where we think our best guess from all we've read and kind of our gut on our tape of these guys of where these guys might end up come Thursday. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, I think most people saw today where the Vegas money is on a guy who did not even have odds to be the first overall pick two months ago. Yeah, it just feels so weird because I've seen that Balky is a Travon Walker guy. Peterson is a Hutchinson guy. And like the me in the middle pick is Equinu, which is just really weird. It's like if you're deciding between two edge rushers, why are you just going to go? And if we can't agree, we'll take an offensive lineman. So we're talking Trevon Walker, the edge rusher from the University of Georgia. And he's one of those guys that in a lot of those guys on these just loaded Southern teams or these blue-blooded football teams, they don't, you know, they're not like full-time every-down starters until maybe uh, their their junior year. Uh, he, so in that way, he's a bit of a one-year wonder, but he didn't have amazing stats. He doesn't jump out to me on tape, but uh, obviously he jumps out to you in the combine or his measurables. He's 6'5", 272, a 21-year-old junior, had six sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss, Ran a four-five-one at that size, uh, just measurables off the chart. To me, I, I think Trent Baalke, It's just you know the Jags doing what they do. I don't think Trent Baalke would be he would be the general manager for any other of the thirty-one teams. Personally, I don't think he did a great job getting along with people or evaluating talent at the end in San Francisco. Uh, I'm not a big fan, and I think uh, they're going to go Trevon Walker here. And I think although he could be a good player, I don't see it. I agree that it will end up being Walker, which I can understand the logic of he by far has the highest highest ceiling in this draft class. And this adjuration group is older and has a lot of questions. This draft class in general is really old. A bunch of guys are going to be like 22, 23 as rookies. And like you said, he's going to be 21, which is a big deal. But I watched this film and people were saying, oh, well, he's asked to set the edge and contain the quarterback a lot. He tried to run into guys with his shoulder a bunch. Like He has absolutely nothing as a pass rusher. You're going to have to completely develop that. Is he going to be a good run defender? Yes, but you're not taking a guy who's a good run defender, a complete project as pass rusher, a number one overall, when there are several guys who are much safer and your team is so bad 
that one good player is not going to change the future of your franchise. So number two, the Lions. This seems to be obvious. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is from Dearborn, Michigan. I think, and I am one of those people, have been a little blah on him. I, I think he's a good player, but I see him more as Chris Long than a Bosa brother. I've said that on this podcast before. He's touted as an elite athlete. I don't think he's elite, but I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. And he's bigger than people give him credit for. He's 6'7", 260. Uh, is Aiden Hutchinson, if he's here at two, is he for you? I know you're – you like the Lions, and you want to see them kind of ascend. Uh, is he the right pick for them? Is that who you would pick? And what's his ceiling? I do think that is the right pick for the Lions to make both in what I would do and what will happen, assuming Trevon Walker goes one. Well, I'm, I'm not really sure because I do think his athleticism is underrated because some of the other guys that just ran really fast because he has historically great agility numbers, which are great in terms of being linked to if you're going to be a good pass rusher or not. He's got a ton of moves. He, Like you said, he's huge. I didn't. I thought he was like 6'5", not 6'7". I mean, his arms are short. I wasn't impressed by his run defense, but I think he's a guy that can be a consistent 8-10 to 10 sack guy. And for a defense that has nobody at edge rusher and just needs talent, you take that guy, and he can definitely develop. I mean, yes, the arm length is an issue, but he can overcome that. And if it's not going to be... Holding him back, he can easily be a double-digit sack guy. In this class, you take that and run with it. So for me, I think they are. I think they're not going to overthink that. And I think at that point, even if he becomes a good player, I don't see that a lot of people are going to give them uh, like the Rams when they picked uh, Long all those years ago. He didn't become like a Hall of Fame caliber player, but he was really solid and he was a good culture guy. And no one really faulted them for that pick. Um Number three, I think this is where kind of the pressure will start. Houston, the Texans, they could kind of go anywhere. Yes, they do have a good left tackle. I think we've got some good uh, left tackles at the top. And in the premium on that position, we saw it was like two years ago where you had three guys, really four guys, and everybody liked one of them best, right? And then they just kind of shuffled out how they did two drafts ago. uh, I think we're going to see that again. It's going to be kind of the flavor and the style that they're looking for. I personally don't think the Texans – are going to go tackle here. I think that's one of the few solid players that they have. I, I haven't, through this process, been like a huge Sauce Gardner fan. Uh, Ahmed Gardner, of course, the uh, cornerback from University of Cincinnati. Uh, the thing that kind of stands out to me is he doesn't have a weakness, does he? I mean, a lot of times these guys, oh, well, if he were a little taller, this or that. He is tall. He is long. He has got great tape. He's got good speed. Am I wrong that I think they could go Garner here, much like several years ago now, Cleveland went Ward uh, at corner, and they just kind of got a guy they could lock in? I could see him being a taller Denzel Ward, and I say that a lot because that guy is, when I was in Cleveland, I mean, he was the best player they had on defense, and it was clear when you saw him like in person. Any chance they go Garner here, where do you think they go, and who would you pick? I think it'll definitely be a cornerback because, like you said, they've got Tunzel. Titus Howard, who they tried at guard, who's been pretty bad at guard, he was really solid at right tackle. So you could take Equinu or Neal, Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. You kick him at guard, but you're not taking a guard at three. And I would say Garner's one weakness, I guess, is he is kind of skinny, which, I mean, he's almost 6'3", that's kind of be expected. You'll put on some weight. And he did play at a smaller school, but he looked... He looked elite against Alabama. He didn't have any issues. He's got everything you want. He sounds like a great kid. I think some you might have some Derek Stingley fans in the building just because he does have just a bit more upside. But just with his injury histories and how solid Garner is, I think it's going to be Garner because, like with the Lions, they just need talent at every position. You just take your best guy. Right. I think that's smart. And the idea of Stingley, like, I, I don't think they're in a position to really take that kind of risk. Um, they just need a guy that wants to play there. It's come out ready to play. Yeah, maybe Sauce Gardner is the fifth best player, not the third in this draft, but I mean, that's where I would go. Yeah, and the difference between their ceilings isn't that huge. Like, Stingley has a ceiling of probably being like the best corner in the NFL if he lives up to his potential, but Gardner has Pro Bowl potential, and Gardner is just so much safer, so I would just play it safe. All right, next up, New York Jets. And I feel like this is the annual time that we'll see them. Before we get into that quickly, do you think they're 
do they kind of have it halfway together where we could see them ascend? We've seen some teams that have been kind of – we saw Cincinnati and even Cleveland kind of get out of this top five. Are the Jets heading in that direction? Uh, where do you see them going with this pick at four? I think the Jets are probably still a year away. That offensive line does have some questions, especially at tackle because Becton was hurt. And George Fant, who's been all right, but they lost Morgan Moses. Their secondary needs a lot of work. Their pass rush is a complete unknown because Carl Lawson is coming off an Achilles tear. And their division is really good. The Bills are awesome. The Patriots aren't bad. And Miami is a trendy pick to make the playoffs. And we can definitely see why, assuming Tua doesn't just sabotage that offense. And here, I think the pick has to be pass rush no matter what. Um, unless it was Walker Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, the guy from Oregon, unless they went one, two, three, I feel like this has to be edge. I've been actually, I've seen some buzz that Jermaine Johnson out of FSU is might go over Thibodeau. He might go at four here. I think that scans to me like a team and in the back half of the top 10 is putting out some smoke to shuffle things up to get their guy or to boost him because they don't want him. Because I understand that Thibodeau, he is kind of in that Josh Rosen mold of maybe too smart for his own good. Not that being too smart is a bad thing, but there's a certain level of being smart and then, I guess, being arrogant or being off-putting in a certain way. And from the reports I've read, Thibodeau kind of crosses that line. Now, Thibodeau is two years younger than Jermaine Johnson. Mm. He's more athletic. He is a lot riskier. But I, I think I would. I think they'll go Thibodeau just because... Yeah. I mean, I think Thibodeau, like Sewell last year, is a product of the Pac-12 just... I think he's probably reason. being overscouted and being good for so yeah. long. Uh, it, I really think that. Yeah, it's I think he's fatigue. just been overthought. I think the Jets might be afraid to take him because of that, but I think they would definitely be afraid to take Johnson from Florida State, who I really like, but I like him more in like the Brian Burns range. I don't like him here at all. I like him at like 16. Yeah, he's solid, but he doesn't... Like Thibodeau, is, it's prospect fatigue. I mean, he was the number one recruit in the country. He was an All-American as a freshman. He dominated the Pac-12 championship game last year against Vera Tucker, who was a first-round pick. Then this year he got hurt, and he, he was hit or miss, but, I mean, he's got the elite get-off. He's got the elite bend. He has the highest upside of any pass rusher in this draft. You don't overthink it. I'm not going to go um, Thibodeau here because I think they are going to overthink it. These are the Jets. I like your logic a lot. The best – the most talented player uh, that has a New York type of mindset is Ike McQuano. Uh And I think that they, even with Beckton, I think they could use him. And and I, I could see them taking Aquanu Thursday night. Oh, for sure. Plug him in at and right And I, I think they take Sauce Gardner here. But I don't know that he won't I – don't, I don't know that – I think Houston – I'm not going to give him too much credit, but I, I think Houston's going to get smart on that. Uh, I think Aquanu seems like a jet to me in a good way when they've had good guys. He has that and he's just well-spoken and he's tough and, and he wants to play and he loves the game, uh, wants to be great. We'll see if he winds up being great. And he's definitely got the talent to be taken here. Thibodeau would be really smarter because that's really what they really, really need. But I think, honestly, a lot of bad – and this is terrible because it costs these guys money, but I think certain teams do a whisper campaign, do whatever – I really think that happens, so they'll drop a few spots. And I think they do that because certain teams, the Jets probably being Exhibit A, fall for that stuff. Not that there isn't some smoke on Thibodeau or whatever, but I just think he's been overscouted. I think we've all known since he came out of high school that he was awesome. And I think it's like uh, like you mentioned, Panay Sewell, and I think he's going to be you know, a perfectly fine player. Who, who, who do you want to settle on here, Aquanu or Thibodeau? I'm going with Thibodeau here, but if you want to go Equinu and just – so we can yeah, have more discussion down the line. That sounds good. Sounds great. So let's go um, across the locker room to uh, another perennial top 10 team, the New York Giants. Yeah, this pick feels like it's definitely going to be an offensive tackle. And depending on how the top four shakes up and depending on how their board shakes out, they might pass on a tackler, but I really don't see it. Now, Evan Neal feels like it's been the guy that's been linked with the Giants the most. But I've seen some rumors about some teams have taken them off their board because of medical issues. It's not said what it was, but I believe it's to be related to his knee. 
And there is that question of he is, he's not as big as Mikai Becton, but he's really big. He's really heavy. He's an elite athlete, but there's the question of at a certain point when you're so big, it can become a detriment. And if teams are worried about that, he can be off their board. I don't think, I don't want to buy too much into that because it's so vague. It's not something like Farley where we know, hey, his back could be permanently messed up. So here I'm going with Evan Neal. Yeah, I think they're going to be really attracted to Neal here. Uh, It's going to come down like I talked about two years ago. It's like, what do you like? What are you looking for? Charles Cross is a very good player. Um, But I think they go tackle here. They just can't get it right. Both these teams have kind of swung and missed on some tackles, and the jury's out on some of the – some that they've recently take, taken. The Jets um, and the Giants, uh, they both benefit from extra picks. Um, I mean, the Jets have 4, 10, 35, 38, 69. The Giants have 5, 7, 36, 67, 81. Now, more doesn't mean better. They have an opportunity here. And if I were them, I would I would just pick a guy and go with it. I don't know that they're going to go particularly wrong. I I, I could very well see either one of them, and neither is going to surprise me. Let's go Evan Neal here because it just kind of feels right, as you were saying. Yeah, I do think outside of the potential medical concerns, he is safer than Cross. Cross has that knock that he came from the Mike Leach air raid offense, and his his right. run blocking when I watched was pretty bad. It is, it is, yeah. And for a right and for a right tackle, because they'll keep Andrew Thomas at left. That is an issue now. Evan Neal. Doesn't run block like you'd expect for a guy that's like six seven three fifty, but no, he, he doesn't because he's absolutely humongous. Yeah, you don't play at Alabama at tackle and be a bad run blocker. Yeah, and I don't know that Evan Neal is going to be a great player, but I think he could be a very good player. Charles Cross, I think one day is going to be a better run blocker than he's now. Woodson has to do that, but it's not something that he's going to come out of the gate doing. So therefore, I don't think he fits every scheme. Um, for me, Evan Neal, his limitation is he's never going to be a guard. But he, I think his floor is good right tackle, and that's a pretty good floor. And uh, I think that gets him, especially for a team that needs a higher floor, both these New York teams, I think it'll be a no-brainer for them. Uh, we're going to go next to a team that I think uh, at six, uh, I think we're starting to think that this team isn't that well run. And I think this is a huge Huge draft, and I think that's where this draft, barring some trades, is going to get interesting, right? This is where the draft opens up, and I think this team, this new owner, this coaching staff front office has a lot to prove at six. What what do you think Carolina does here? I've actually seen that the excitement or spiciness of this pick has actually gone down over the next couple days. It sounds like they are the running favorite to get Baker Mayfield at some point. So that would okay. take quarterback off the table. And so okay. here, it's tackle no matter what. It's, I think no matter what, you go tackle. Even if you like one of these quarterbacks, their offensive line is so bad. For me, Cross and Equinu are both here. I'm taking Equinu. I have Equinu a good bit higher than Cross. Mm, me too. But for you, you had Equinu already gone. So Right. Yeah. And I think they'd be sad that they didn't wouldn't have more of a chance. But we've just seen these tackles go early. Lately, because they're hard to find, harder than they ever were, and you have to pay them so much in free agency. So I, I don't think there's – I think whoever's left of Evan Neal, Aki McWanu, and Charles Cross, I think that is your Carolina Panther, and I think that's what you're saying uh, yourself, right? Yes, and for me – So I'm going to go Cross, you're going to go Aquanu, which they would just yeah. be dancing in the streets at Aquanu because I think they'd probably pick him at three. Oh, yeah. All right. So, we're looking next um, at a familiar face here a little bit, and the New York Giants again, by virtue of the trade last year with the Chicago Bears. Um, The Giants have an opportunity here. Uh, We talked about last week we don't love, love, love the top 11. Well, I don't hate them. These guys are going to be good players. Uh, The Giants obviously are – they're going to give one last hurrah to Danny Dimes, right? And so they're going to do that thing the teams do where they're going to try to make things easier on him, like that's going to magically make him, you know, good. He's either going to come of age or not. Where do they go here if the board falls out? And I think we might have a surprise or two, and the order might be different than we've done, but I think generally the board 
is going to kind of be what we're looking at now, Thursday night for the Giants. I feel like you have to go defense here. Their defense has so many needs and it's so expensive. They don't have any corners because they're trying to get rid of James Bradbury. They can cut him. I think they have to get rid of him at some point in order to pay for their rookie class without restructuring Kenny Galladay or Leonard Williams' awful contracts. So for here, I'm looking at Derek Stingley and Jermaine Johnson. Now, this feels early for Johnson, but they really need pass rusher. He is that He's that fourth guy. He is defendable, but I think it's just a bit too rich and... They're, they're so bad, and Stingley is a risk, but I don't think he's that big of a risk. I think I've seen some scouts say we give him a pass kind of on 2020 because that team sucked. It was the pandemic. Just everything went terribly. Now, 2021, you can criticize because he got hurt. He didn't look as good. But like I said a couple minutes ago, this guy has the potential we saw in 2019 to be the best corner in the NFL. At seven, when you've already gotten... An offensive tackle, your offense is as good as it's going to get when you've invested so much into it. You need to take a swing. This is your second pick. Take a guy that, does he have some questions? Yes. Does he have the talent to justify this pick? Yes. Is there anyone here that's really better than him? No, not really. Well, for me, I don't hear this a lot. People talk about Thibodeau dropping. I know he's off your board already. Um, To me, this is as far as Thibodeau would drop because besides offensive line, uh, they absolutely need an edge rusher. So, for me, this would be easy. Uh, he might go second. He also might go seventh. The people that uh, mock him to 11, I don't really see. Uh, because I think I think the Giants, with their history of how they like to draft and, and their needs, I think he's – I mean, he, he would be a no-brainer for them here. Oh, yeah. Thibodeau at seven is an excellent pick. That's – I don't want to say steal because he's not quite to the level where it's a drop, but – but he's obvious. The, yeah, it would yeah. be one of the better value picks of the draft. It'd be the it'd round. be more an obvious pick than maybe a steal. Yeah, but it certainly would be to me a no brainer. Otherwise, they're going to be discussing Stingley or reaching for Johnson because they really do want to get um, a, a good edge rusher. And you see teams reach for an edge rusher. They always do that. They reach for these, and we we're talking about tackles and pass rushers for a reason, and in other years, quarterbacks because. They talk themselves into it because it's that important. And if Jameson Williams were healthy, I think as much as they love speed, and even though they took a swing and a miss, it seems like last year in the first round at receiver, I, if he were healthy, I think they might uh, be willing to take that gamble here. But he is not immediately healthy. Yes, so at seven, I go with Derek Stingley. Nathan goes with Kayvon Thibodeau. Let's talk the Falcons. Uh at eight here, and they were picking right around the same spot last year. They went for, you know, that was kind of the the mock draft highest left where they uh, where Kyle Pitts kind of fell to them. Do they do something similar here? Um, they're to me, I think they're finally going to pack it in and try to be bad next year. I could be totally wrong about that. I think they are really looking to the future. Uh, if that's true, what what's the pick here for Atlanta? It's just BPA, honestly, because none of these quarterbacks are good. You're ta- you're t- we've talked about in the past, in our dark days, we had like four or five players teams would want. The Falcons have like three. It's really bad. In- it's really bad down there. So for me, you just take the best player because you're going to suck for the next three, four years. You just need good players. And for me, and you just mentioned him, I would go with Jameson Williams here. They have literally no receivers because Ridley is suspended. Julio got traded. Uh, I forgot their slot receiver's name, but he left for Tampa Bay. They don't have any weapons. They can afford to take it easy with his injury recovery because they're trying to suck next year. And this is a guy that is easily my wide receiver one, has a ton of upside. I'm not worried about the injury because ACL tears are becoming less and less of an issue, and it was a one-time fluke thing. I'm taking Jameson Williams here. Yeah, when they lost Russell Gage to Tampa Bay, it made you think, man, they're going to have nothing. I don't know how worried that – like you said, I don't know how worried they are about next year. I think they're thinking more down the road. So, if that's really – they're not going to come out and say that, and I don't think everybody realizes that they're – they might tank, actually. Uh, As weird as that sounds, they've got a lot – they've got our second-round pick, 58 overall, which stinks. Um, But honestly – I, they're not going to be worried about Jameson Williams' ACL. I don't know if they go there with him, but they, they're going to need some kind of receiver. People are going to say Drake London here. 
I just don't think he's fast enough to go in the top ten. They have done a really good job of uh, picking good receivers for a while now, and I think they know what they're doing there, and they value it. Especially um, from Alabama. Especially for Alabama. That's going to be super tempting for them. Ultimately, on my board, though, I mean, that's their biggest need. They just don't have anybody. Obviously, they're going to need a quarterback, obviously, edge rusher safety. But honestly, anybody and everybody, they're going to, because they have a, a, a pick from the Colts, because they have a pick from us in the first two days, they're going to kind of look at the depth. And I think depth at receiver is okay this year. Depth at edge rusher is okay here for me. The same logic of, hey, it's okay if we have to wait for a guy. I think they go Derek Stingley, who I know is off your board. He's not off mine. So if you're going BPA here uh, and you're not afraid of that injury, that 19 LSU team was magic. And even guys that were hurt or didn't play, we've seen them go be good pros. Uh, Some obvious examples there. So for me, it'd be Stingley here. Yeah, I think if Stingley are here, I think you run that pick to the podium because A.J. Terrell is awesome. Stingley and Terrell is a great duo, and you just go for upside because, I mean, a cornerback isn't going to hurt your chances of picking first overall next year. Well, that's going to bring us to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Back-to-back, the two teams that I I would think are going to surprise people and be awful um, are the Falcons and Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks could pull a – Patriots and be kind of mediocre. Uh, There still is that weird thing about, and you mentioned uh, the possibility of Baker Mayfield, but none of these teams could be that hot and heavy for him. I think we might see him be traded on draft night. But honestly, uh, if somebody really wanted him, they would just do what it takes to get him. It's not like it's going to be their first-round pick or whatever they're going to need. So um, I I don't know where they're going to go. I have no confidence in their drafting. I think it's like the Colts when Manning got hurt all those years ago. I think they're going to be shown as a house of cards. I think Russell Wilson, he didn't play amazing the last couple years, but I think he was propping them up. I think they're going to be bad. And all those guys are going to be run off. This will be, I think, their last draft for Carroll and uh, and all those guys. So where are they going to go here? They've been burned by safety by doing that dumb trade. Uh, they don't have their own pick. This is Denver's pick. I think they're going to pass on Kyle Hamilton. Uh, they're going to need a receiver. Um, I don't think they're going to have the guts to to trade DK Metcalf. That would be crazy. But for me, the way the board breaks, I think the guys they wanted are off. I think they'd be scrambling a bit here. Where do you think the Seahawks in this scenario would go? Well, my BPA is Charles Cross, but I have been reading a ton that he does not fit their offensive philosophy at all, especially with his so. unblocking issues. No. So, and like you said, Hamilton, they paid Bradley McDougal. Josh, Jamal Adams is there, so they're not taking another safety. I mean, this. I think this is a spot where you, you're almost pigeonholed, really, into Jermaine Johnson because, I mean, you could take a quarterback, but you, like you said, they, they're going to be bad. You should just suck and... Wait till next year. Just you have so many holes. I mean, this feels like a pretty bled pick. It's more like, well, all the other guys don't really fit our needs or our system. But I'm going with Jermaine Johnson here just because they don't have any pass rushers. To me, this is where Trevon Walker should go, uh, but he's not here. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think they're going to like Drake London. I think they would really like Jameson Williams. He's still here for me. Um, but I think they're going to want to make some kind of statement about what they want to do and what kind of run team they want to be. I think they're going to reach for a pass rusher or they're going to reach for um, a defensive lineman. Now, just the question is, which one of those guys is it going to be? Um, it, it's it's really kind of tough, right? So this is This is the bad spot. This oh, is. I think this league. is where it breaks and it's like, oh, we have the ninth pick and we're going to get somebody that is would go 15th or 16th if, if we don't take him. Um, I, I can't see them liking any of these receivers now. If they trade um, DK Metcalf, which they might, if they trade Metcalf, I could see them going um, with Jameson Williams. For me, they like to do things their own way. I really could see them, and my pick for them is going to be Jordan Davis, the defensive lineman um, from um, the University of Georgia. I think they're just going to be so um, 
intrigued by him, and they're going to think that's going to be a fun, tough pick, and I think they're worried about that. 6'6", 341, he wows you with that size, and to be athletic for that uh, for that size, ran a really good time for a man that size, uh, a 4'7", You're not as big of a fan. No, I, I watched all the snaps, and thankfully there are cut-ups on YouTube because he only played half the snaps, so instead of watching full games, you can just find cut-ups, but mm-hmm. he is as advertised. He is... Like 6'6", 360, athletic, clogging nose tackle. And that's it, really. People were talking about his pass rush. I mean, I can kind of see, like, you work him on stunts to the outside. He definitely has a ton of more juice than your traditional plodding nose tackle. But it's really just, if he's not bulldozing a college guard back into the quarterback, he's not really doing much as a pass rusher. And his run defense was as good as advertised. I saw all the stats about how George's defense went from historically great to even more historically great when he was on the field versus off the field. But I, I was a bit underwhelmed. Like, he anchors and he doesn't get pushed back by double teams. But, like, Vita Vea, who went at 13, yeah. mm-hmm. he was blowing up double teams and getting into the backfield all the time. Yeah, he's twice the guy as, as, um, as Davis because Vita Vea has just got such good feet. People are going to have that expectation of him, and they wish they had a Vita Vea. Uh, type to pick they don't they're just going to be kind of like oh i really think they're going to be praying for one of these elite three offensive tackles i don't think either one of them are going to be there and i think they're just gonna they're just got to take somebody and i think with davis i think the question you really should be asking is can we coach him consistently besides the stamina questions of he's ginormous he didn't play a ton he was on a great team he got to see a lot of fourth quarters. How much can he really play to begin with? I think the question you can really should be asking yourself is, can we teach this guy to consistently get his hands up? Because I watched five games of tape. Mm-hmm. He never once put his arms up in the air to try and clog the passing lanes. You're 6'6 with a giant wingspan. These offensive linemen can't move you. You should be blotting out the middle of the field. And it's not like he was actively rushing. It was just, he was stuck. It's like, if you're massive and you're not getting pass rush, you can affect the game by clogging up the middle. And if he had shown that just even a couple times, I felt confident projecting that I would feel a lot better about him. Because at least then it's, well, he's not completely useless on passing downs because he can bat down balls. But I mean, I don't get the hype. Like, he's super athletic. He's awesome. He was on the national championship. He won the Defensive Player of the Year award for college, which I don't really get because Will Anderson from Alabama is just. Yeah, it was so good was so better and on the field all the time, but it just feels like a weird media cycle with Jordan Davis. Like, he's fine, but it's like he's a nose tackle that doesn't really pass rush. That's not valuable. Right. I think they're just going to have to make a pick here, and I think they they don't mind surprising us. Uh, um, the Jets are on the board um, at 10 uh, again, and um, – I think they like where they're at at wide receiver. I don't see them going there. Some people are going to predict that. Um, I can see them with the second pick, although I do think teams are shying away from safeties. They do need help at defensive back. There isn't really, unless they want to reach on Trent McDuffie, we've seen teams reach for corners. I think it could be McDuffie. I think it could be Hamilton. But this is going to be that time where people are going to really start saying, hey, is it going to be Hamilton here? Where do you see Hamilton going as far as like, what number range, and what do you think the Jets do here? I would say his range is probably 8 to 13, 8 being the Falcons, 13 being the Texans' second pick. Because mm-hmm. I he, I watched him. He did not live up to the hype that the media put out, but he is really good. He is really safe. I'm confident that he's going to be a very dependable NFL player for a long time, mm-hmm. and that has value. And... Although his athletic testing didn't wow me, his tape showed a lot more, and he does have that upside to be a Pro Bowl impact difference maker. Now, my board here is Charles Cross, Hamilton, McDuffie, all the receivers other than James and Williams. This is kind of a weird spot because the the BPA side of me, the, the side that values offensive linemen, says Charles Cross here because... George Van Art right tackle isn't the long-term answer. He's a great pass protector for Zach Wilson. The question is just... I mean, like you said, Hamilton fits really well. All these receivers, I think 
Jameson Williams is really the only receiver I would want to go with here just because of how well his speed pairs up with what they have and yeah. because the other guys are kind of being overrated. So I think with how the board's broken, this guy has fallen technically compared to the consensus, but I think this is closer to where he realistically goes. I'm taking Charles Cross here because, worst case, he's insurance for Becton at left tackle. Best case, he gives him the second bookend tackle and a great pass protector. Yes, his run blocking is an issue, but this is a passing team. Their running backs are Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman. They don't really care about running the ball. At 10, yeah, I think they definitely wouldn't care to to kind of double up on tackles there. Why not? I mean, because their poor offensive line play has really kind of got them into this mess. Um, I think this is where we see uh, we could see Jermaine Johnson. Um, Have you already had somebody pick him? Yes, I had the Seahawks saying Jermaine Johnson, and I have okay, you. So I have not, um, but I'm trying to find him. Do they have him that far? He's down? at like 32. Oh boy, yikes! So I'm going to go Jermaine Johnson here. Although I think they are going to kick the tires on Trent McDuffie, Kyle Hamilton, Jamison Williams. Uh, you make a good point there. Those are, I think, going to be their top targets of, of the board that I have left. I think before we move on from the top ten, I think we need to have the Malik Willis discussion. Uh, the only team that I – I mean, you never know. Atlanta could love him and have been real quiet about it. And the Seahawks could love him and be real quiet about it. Now, definitely the Seahawks. And I, and I think maybe if the Seahawks do get in this position, um, uh, that they might just say, what the heck, and go Malik Willis. Although those guys seem arrogant and dumb enough that they think they're going to beef up this offensive line and run out there with Drew Locke, though, right? Well, I think it's like you said with the uh, – well, I think it's like what you said. I mean, they're probably going to tank because – or they're going to end up sucking. And either way, it works out well. And I think with Willis, it feels like it's just QB bias. It's – you need a quarterback. These teams need a quarterback. He's the top quarterback. He's got the most upside in the tools, and he's so exciting. But for me, it's just, I mean, you're higher on him than me, so you can counteract some of my more hotter criticism. But I mean, it's just so hard to tell because he's an older guy. He couldn't beat out Bo Nix, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything, obviously, because Burrow couldn't cut it at Ohio State. But, I mean, he's a lot of one-reader one. I don't like his touch over the middle. I mean, Malik Willis throwing in the middle of the field his first couple years. Whichever team drafts him is going to have nightmares. I mean, he has no touch. It sells high. It's wide. I mean, yes, he has the arm talent, and he has the athletic potential, but it's just he's so raw, and people are bringing up Josh Allen because he was another guy that was totally raw from the small school, and he put it all together. Now he's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, but Josh Allen is the outlier of all outliers. There has never been a quarterback with his True. accuracy indicators at high school, college, or his first couple of years in the NFL becoming what he is today. I think Willis, if he goes to one of these bad teams, is obviously going to flame out because he needs the support structure. I mean, I think all these all these guys should probably sit for you, but especially like Willis because you can't do one read and run in the NFL. No, you can. I mean, they try to do that with Jalen Hurts, and uh, you. <laughs> You know, I could see him being okay on both those teams, and I could also see him being an unmitigated disaster, as you're saying. Uh, we we think it'd probably be best for him and the teams if they did pass, but we, you, as we know, he's going to be of big discussion there. And if I if I were Pete Carroll and those guys, you know, if it came down to, hey, this guy does have potential, he could be interesting, or a two-down defensive lineman, which is what they're going to wind up uh, kind of being faced with, we just have to point out that that there will be some heavy discussion both on television and in those rooms at eight and nine in uh, Atlanta and Seattle. Uh, let's move on to uh, Washington. Is it Commanders? Commando? Commanders? Commanders that people like to joke and call them commies. Okay, the Washington football team, which was a much better name, by the way. Yeah, I, I love that name. It was that was really it was, good. It was unique know. and it was it's simple, but. It kind of evokes like, I guess like the European football just yeah. iconic. And they are their iconic. own brand. I don't know why they felt like they had to do yeah. uh, a name because like so, Commanders is so lame. They're a team. They have some talent. They also have some holes, and they've got a good head coach, but they don't have uh, any kind of li- strong leadership in the front office. 
in my opinion, uh, they need a defensive back, linebackers, offensive tackle. I don't think they're going to be real picky about what they need. Of course, they're missing a pick um, because they traded for um, Carson Wentz. Um, so where, do the, where does the Washington football team go here? I think it's either DB or receiver because receiver Terry McLaurin is awesome, but he's entering his final year. And I think they'll pay him at the same time. And they don't really have that much behind him. It's just like Curtis Samuel was afraid to see bust. Deami Brown was wasted by Taylor Heineke. So I do think Hamilton here is really interesting. I, I am a big Camlin Curl fan. He pairs up really well with Curl. McDuffie is here. He's by far, he's the top cornerback left in all these receivers. But I think going back to what we said about this receiver class, and it's so deep and you can find these guys. Even though I do like Drake London, his speed concerns me a little bit. I'm not worried about his ankle, and I think he fits really well in that offense. I think we've seen in the past that... What's uh, Snyder, that their dirtbag owner? He likes yeah. to force Dan picks Snyder, for yeah. a certain reason or another. He liked Dwayne Haskins because Haskins was his awesome QP from Ohio State. And so with that logic acting as a bit of a tiebreaker, I'm going with Kyle Hamilton here. I think if they were smart, they would go, even if it's a little bit of a reach, you've seen this uh, in the teens. Uh, people just find a corner that's got some moxie and some skills. Although he's not super long, Trent McDuffie, I think, would be um, kind of a smart pick for them. Although, um, you know, in, in normal years, you'd want maybe a little more potential. I think they just need a good football player. Uh, they they probably could be a good landing point for Kyle Hamilton. They won't be afraid to take a safety. Jameson Williams seems obvious because the scary Terry with, or even if they, you know, somehow were to trade him or something goofy, uh, I think that would be really smart. At the end of the day, I think you see them, although because it is the perception that uh, Dan Snyder has kind of made that pick like it was fantasy football, I think they'll kind of overcorrect, and I, I could see – just a good, solid football player coming off the board. Trent, Trent McDuffie for me. That's safe. And this corner, the cornerback depth in the second round is kind of weird. Yeah, and, they, and they're missing a pick in day two. So for whatever reason, that, that'll probably force them to reach as well. And they definitely need, uh, they need some talent and some youth uh, at, at, at defensive back. Uh, yeah. Did you make a pick for them? Yeah, my pick was Callahampton. Now, if McDuffie's arms were an inch longer on each side, he would like an inch and a half longer on each side, he would yeah. probably be viewed a lot better. But there is a good there is a good reason why there are arm length thresholds at important positions like corner, tackle, edge rusher. And his arms are really small. I think they're like sub thirty inch, right? Whoa. It's, I, didn't think, that small, I think I think it's like yeah, twenty nine and five eighths. It's not killer, but it is smart. I mean everything else about him is A plus like football oh, yeah. character, testing, his football IQ. I mean, he's not a bad pick for me. It's just I think Hamilton, just that upside he has, I think it's just a bit more enticing with Camlin Curl. I And I also think that the Vikings would very likely pick him the next pick. And you see that like, well, you know, they'll leverage that. So one way or the other, somebody might – I don't know if he's going to trade up for Trent McDuffie, but uh, for whatever reason, I, I think it would be a good possibility he's going to go here or the next pick. Let's say he doesn't. Uh you know, they need a corner, edge rusher, wide receiver, uh, some depth there. Um, what do you think at 12? Uh, what's your best guess on uh, Minnesota? Well, this is pretty easy with how the board is broken down. I'm going to take the guy you literally just picked in McDuffie. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah, mocked a lot, and it makes a lot of sense. And they do They love drafting first-round corners, and they do really need a cornerback. I could see them going for Kalaftis uh, or another pass rusher that they like and they don't care if we do. And I could see them going interior alignment here too. Um, I don't think they care what we think. Um, for me, Jamison Williams still on the board and he needs to be off my board, so I'm going to take him off now because uh, I don't think they'd be afraid uh, to uh, oh, that's to a great pair pick. him with Jefferson. And so that I think if he happens to still be there because of his injury issues, probably won't. He just – when you mock these, somebody always falls through and you're like, oh, I don't. I wish I didn't still have him on the board because I think he'll probably be going in the top, you know, 11 picks or so. 
Um, so I'm going to go go ahead and do Jameson Wilson, Williams. That would be a good situation for him as well. Oh, yeah, that gonna, would be that would be mm-hmm. awesome. So Cleveland gave up pick 13 and a lot more, and maybe their soul a little bit um, uh, to get a new quarterback. And that leaves Houston picking 13 for the second time um, in this first round. They've got a pretty wide open board here. Uh, this is where you're starting to see not quite yet. I think the value kind of catch back up with the pick. They're going to have some good options here. Where do, you, where do you think Houston goes? And just to recap, we both took Sauce Gardner at three, right? We did, yeah. All right, so they've already taken Sauce Gardner, and they should still be in the interest of just going straight BPA. Just looking through my board, I mean, you've got all the receivers other than Jameson Williams, and that's – Really, like it's there's kind of a weird fall off. Like I don't like any of the tackles for them because I am a Titus Howard believer. I think okay. here you just go yeah. BPA, you go for the upside. I would go with, I would go with Drake London here. Just gives them a big body receiver okay. that they don't have. I think the test him skipping on the testing because he had his ankle injury and he didn't want to get docked for it is a bit of concern. I just think everything else he brings to the table isn't that big of a deal. Now, his speed is why he isn't my wide receiver one, but I think at 13, that's a very fine pick because they have Brandon Cooks, and that's really it. Yeah, I mean, I think it would make sense for them to go there, but I think they're going to have a lot of options here. I I want them to go premium position, though, and I think receiver would would certainly count. It's going to be kind of like who they like. I I kind of like the – the depth there so and they have some extra picks so they may consider passing even on edge rusher and receiver for somebody better in the draft i think they i would wouldn't be surprised if they kind of wanted to get early on the jump and get exactly who they want in interior offensive line um i don't know a center this early i'm never going to buy that tyler linderbaum would be a guy you'd want on that team but they're going to hope he's around a little later um, Kenyon Green, uh, well, you do see guys go early. I know we saw uh, Vera Tucker go about this time uh, last year, and I sort of thought that would that could happen. Um, do you do you think they could because this is their second pick? They just and they do need help on the offensive line. Do you think they're just going to pick? Maybe I mean Tyler Smith is is up there uh we y'all didn't think vera Vera tucker was gonna go as early as it did is there any chance they go big body here i think it's certainly possible because this board like london was the guy i really liked and after that all all everyone else on the board is kind of and for the 13th pick i guess and oh it's true if and their guard is their guard spots are really bad assuming tyus howard goes back to right tackle so if you think zion johnson or Kenyon green are that good, you take him. And Vera Tucker was getting mocked more like the late teens than the early teens, but he was a good player, and we've seen more than ever that having good linemen is hard to find. And when you have such a bad team, and Davis Mills might be their answer long-term, you have to know. And so you build up that offensive line, and you see what you've got. Now, I have heard with Kenyon Green that there are some questions about his knee, I believe, that might drop Mm -hmm. him in the first round. It's only conjecture right now. It's nothing major. It hasn't been confirmed, but he is getting some Aziz Ojolari buzz of he's got some issues. He might fall for medicals. Well, if they're not, I think they will kick the tires on interior offensive line. And I think if they can't get clearance, um, since they do have other picks, they're just going to hope with the one or two guys that they like is going to be there in the second round. In that case, I think the move for them is, you know, the the other side there. George... Carlaftis, the uh, edge rusher from Purdue, uh, you know, he is a good athlete. He's got the perfect body for it. You see these Big Ten guys, you think they're going to go here or there, and they go in the 30s or 40s. This guy is a better athlete than your average, um, let's say, Big Ten kind of pass rusher. He's not going to be J.J. Watt, but I think they like the idea of a, of a really good athlete. I would have liked to have seen what he could have run. He needs to kind of firm up some of his – uh, fundamentals, but I think he has kind of the the desire to do that. For them, I I mean, he's got a really high ceiling at a really important position. I think they'd be dumb not to take him here. Uh, Carl Aftis is the pick for me, thirteen for Houston. All right, that is, that is totally fair, and he is a true junior, which is important. 
Yeah. And after Karlaftis and Karlaftis at edge, it's there's a pretty big chasm. So I mean, if mm-hmm. you're Houston and you do need pass rusher and you want to draft one, it's either you take Karlaftis now or you're just kind of picking out the leftovers at from in the day two and day three. This is a team at 14 that's had a pretty quiet, well, had a quiet season really by their standards, and they've had a quiet offseason. Uh, Baltimore Ravens need a pass rusher, defensive tackle. They've had some great ones. Uh, they they do their own thing, and they have a good track uh, track record. Um, they've got all their picks and a comp pick in the fourth round. Uh, you know they're going to like the depth um, uh, coming in in on defense. Where do they go at 14? And this board has broken very, I want, I don't want to say very poorly because it's gone to the general vibe of what I've seen, but they would love McDuffie here. I think it's just a weird spot. I do like Carl Aftis here. They do need pass rusher, yeah. and he can kick inside to play 3-4 mm-hmm. defensive end at times. Yeah. I mean, They do such a good job picking those guys too. Yeah. So The D-line, I mean, like Jordan Davis, You, we all, I've already said I'm not that high on him. Devontae Wyatt, he's... He's had some, I believe, uh, domestic violence accusations or reports pop up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything major, major, but it was something that did get reported. So, why it does seem like they're kind of guy though. It's not. I'm not referring to what you just said, but as far as like the profile, the football, on the field, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I can. I mean, Devin He's Lloyd, 24 years yeah. old, but I don't know that they even care. Yeah, Devin Lloyd, I do. I. Don't really get the hype for, and they they don't have any linebackers, but they, they do. They, they just have, screwed the pooch so much on Patrick Queen. I think they'd be afraid to go to that well again. To be honest with you, I think I I think they'll go Carl Aftis here because they do need pass rush. He is defendable. I think in a regular draft or in a draft where there wasn't such a heavy run on edge rushers, he's a guy that goes in the twenties more so than the teens. Right. Because I'm not I'm not quite sold on his ceiling. I do understand the athletic ceiling, but just the arm length and the lack of the bend do concern me, but Kalaftis is one of the safer players that's going to go in the first round. He's going to be a consistent seven-sack guy at worst, and that has value, especially for a team like Baltimore that just needs bodies on the defensive line and to get that short up. You know, uh, part of me wants uh, thinks Kyle Hamilton here. They do value safeties. I, I think they look for... I just didn't like that he didn't run any faster than he did, and he's not a ball hawk. I know some people are going to be surprised that because he is a good football player, but and teams do take a safety. But I, unless he's just super duper athletic, I think they regret it if they take him in the first twenty picks. I'm going to pass on them for them because I the great ones that they've had don't really fit Hamilton's profile. Uh, I don't think they're in the market for another big receiver, so not Drake London. Garrett Wilson maybe, but I think they I think they like what they're developing at receiver. Although they could obviously use one of those guys. Wyatt is just I don't think he's quite there for them, and he's got some off the field stuff. The Kobe Bean reminds me of a of a Patrick Queen, probably a better player, but uh, the it just not fall well for them. So I think they're going to go big need, and we're just going to deal with it. They need an edge rusher. They need a defensive tackle. Uh, what else would you say that they need? I would, I would say defensive back and defensive front. So just the entire defensive front, lineman, edge rusher. For me, I think with their profile, I think a guy like Andrew Booth from Clemson, I think he fits what they're wanting to do. And uh, I don't think he's that big of a reach. I, I think if the board falls this way, they're just going to pick their guy like we've seen in the teens a lot at corner the last three or four years. Yeah, I I do like Booth, although he did get surgery for, I want to say, it was a herniated disc. Mm-hmm. And there's some buzz that he might drop a little, but it's yeah, nothing serious. though. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nothing serious. It's might just be buzz or might just be he's going to drop a couple spots. But, I mean, right. Best, I mean, after Booth, there's kind of another drop at corner, so get your guy. All right. So did you make a pick for them? Yeah, I went with Carl Aftis. Okay, great. All right, 15. Uh, Philly. And they're gonna, we know they made a trade a few weeks ago and traded with New Orleans, which is really strange to me that they would trade that far back. That means they've got a long list of guys, uh, well, New Orleans does anyways, that they like. Um, Philly needs a linebacker. They need a defensive back. I think they would hate to see 
Um, cause I think they would be on board for Andrew Booth. And I think that's a factor. Uh, where do you think Philly goes with their first of two picks, uh, in this first round? Well, just playing the board and the fact that both the saints and the Chargers who pick between their first and second picks also could use receiver. I think they go receiver here because they do really need it. And with the way that this board is broken, you could easily see Wilson and Olave go and then you're just screwed. So here, given the fact that Philly likes to run the ball a lot, Wilson isn't a great run blocker, but Olave is a massive negative, and he, I've said this before, he is soft. I think this pick is pretty easy. It's Garrett Wilson. Ideally, Drake London or Jameson Williams are here for either the speed or the size they give, plus Drake London is an outstanding run blocker. But Garrett Wilson is a solid pick here. I don't get the top 10 buzz, the wire super one buzz and the Odell Beckham comms. By I mean, didn't see it on tape. Yeah. He, he's, I mean, he's solid. He's good. He's, he's more a victim of the media hyping him up for no reason than any fault of his own. So I do still have Drake London because of the speed. And I think he'd be a little scary, but I think for right here, if they could talk themselves into what a good fit he would be with Jalen Hurts here. Um, any, any thought of you, um, I guess maybe at 18, Malik Willis for Philly, or are they just not going to complicate that? I don't think so. I think that's why they traded. Okay. That's why they only have two first-rounders this year okay. to get the Saints pick next year because this is okay. the this is the Jalen Hurts evaluation year. If he's the guy, good. If not, they have two firsts next year to trade up. That makes all the sense in the world. Um, so at 16, uh, New Orleans. Um, uh, Malik Willis again obviously obviously they came here they absolutely need help at receiver absolutely and my board is boy it's falling they could get it they also need a tackle um, I, I was going to say too I think Philly I just feel like Philly it would like my guy Burks from Alabama. I know people might see him as a bit of a reach but I, I think he is a good fast player so he'd be a dark horse for me uh, if Drake London wasn't there or for a reason they didn't like him. But at 16, uh, for me, uh, it's going to be whatever receiver they like probably. And I think that's why they were, you know, kind of willing to take a gamble on that other pick. I think they felt like they were going to be there. Does, do they like Garrett Wilson? Um, I think they probably like Trevor Penning too. And we know that they are not afraid to take whoever they want. Trevor Penning, of course, is the – the tackle from Northern Iowa. He seems like a like a saint type to me. I think they could like George Pickens. You never know. Tyler Smith. Uh, this is a team that does whatever they want. Uh, obviously, they traded um, you know their first rounder last year, not even knowing who was going to be on the board. I'm going to give them Garrett Wilson. What about you? Wilson is off the board for me, and I'm just trying to get a read on their quarterback room because this would be a great spot to take. Malik Willis, even though mm-hmm. it would Sean be, and they, gone. you know they'd have the guts to do it, <laughs> and maybe that's why they wanted up there. I'm, I just don't know because I do, do it, man. <laughs> I do believe in Jameis Winston coming back, but I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to think about this. Uh, yeah, so we're not mocking trades in this, so I could do the metagaming of the Chargers and see the Chargers and Eagles won't take a quarterback, so I'll just let Willis drop down. But if Willis yeah. got this far, the Steelers would probably try and move up. So I'm yeah. going to go with Malik Willis here because nice. they do have – they've got Winston for another year. They've got well, Andy Dalton. He can sit It would develop. make that trade-up make more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and it does make sense because, I mean, if you don't think that – it sounds like the Panthers are moving away from quarterback. If you don't think that Seattle's taking quarterback – Barring a trade-up, who's taking Malik Willis before the Maybe that's pick? why they had the guts to go ahead and do it. Uh, and now, I of guess course, we'll see. That's a really good logic. Yeah. And Pittsburgh is in a spot where, yes, would they like, Will, would they like Willis? Yes. Or, I don't think they're in the situation where they feel like they're, they would have to trade up for him. And I don't think he's necessarily that kind of guy that you do trade up for him because you're trading up past 16. That's five, six spots. That's your third-round pick. Maybe even a second, depending on if the Saints are also trying to get, trying to jump and block oh, you yeah. to get Willis. 
I could but, see Willis in a Steelers jersey. I don't know if I see them trading up more than giving, you know, like one or two picks. I, I think they, they take him if he if he gets there or they think long and hard about it. But I think you're exactly right. I think uh, they're not going to mortgage next year's draft for him. That's where we're at. Well, that's our first 16. Landon will try to get, and I are going to try to get back with you. We know the most important pick is 10 picks away. But we're at our point now. This is part one. We did our first half. We'll come back with you hopefully in the next day or two and be with picks 17 through 32. Let's tighten up. Tighten up.